Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters Europe brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Michaela Felisiak. In this special series of podcasts, we will be looking at employment and labor issues affecting businesses and organizations, especially in our European jurisdictions. In addition to discussing the important stories and events happening in these countries, we are also fortunate to have the chance to dial in our local ELA lawyers that practice in these jurisdictions and are working daily to help the local clients. Joining us today in the program are Rachel Guthrie, counsel at Mourant, and Carla Benet, partner at Mourant in the Channel Islands. Rachel and Carla, how are you doing today? Good, thank you, Michaela. Great, thank you, Michaela. It's good to be here. It's very nice to have you on the show, actually. So where are you sitting? Where are you right now? I am in Jersey, Michaela. It's Carla here. I'm sitting in Jersey and I'm actually sitting in the office today, which I'm delighted to say after a long <laughs> period of home working. Really pleased to be getting back to some work in the office environment, reconnecting with colleagues and having those chats around the coffee machine, the water cooler that I haven't been able to do for a long time. That's great. I think everyone knows what you're talking about. And Rachel, where are you? Yes, same for me. I'm in the office in Guernsey and also nice to be physically in the office. Great. So let's start with a more general question. Could you please tell me a bit about the jurisdictions of Jersey and Guernsey? Of course, Michaela. Thank you. Jersey and Guernsey both form part of the British Channel Islands, which are a small collection of islands based near the north coast of France. Jersey is the largest of the Channel Islands and Guernsey is the second largest island. Both islands are British Crown dependencies, so that means we have some connections with the British Isles, but we're not part of the United Kingdom and we are not part of the European Union. And that often confuses people. I think we're assumed sometimes to form part of the UK. We have our own legal systems. We have our own judicial systems. And again, I think that comes as quite a bit of news to some people sometimes. Definitely, I would say. Are the employment laws similar? So there are some similarities in the employment laws across the two islands, but also some major differences. So in areas such as redundancy, family-friendly, discrimination, and the makeup of the tribunals themselves, all of which we're going to come on to discuss in more detail in this podcast. Just as a general comment, both jurisdictions are relatively limited in their statutory protections, but more legislation is being introduced gradually. All right. And when it comes to work permissions, do employees need particular permissions to work in Jersey and Guernsey? And are businesses able to allow employees to work remotely from the Channel Islands? Carla, what is the situation in Jersey? Unsurprisingly, perhaps, Michaela, this has been a really hot topic recently with everybody being required to work more from home. And again, it, it's a really tricky area for businesses. It's the case in Jersey that an employer cannot employ an individual to work here unless it's got certain permissions in place. And those permissions can really be split into two separate categories, if you like. First of all, the business itself needs to have a license permitting it to carry on that business from within the island and to engage certain staff. And secondly, depending on the staff that it's going to be engaging, it might need to have particular permissions in relation to those staff. So as awful as it sounds, we sort of put these labels on people as to whether they are locals or non-locals. 
and non-locals essentially means those people who have not lived in the island for five years or more and so businesses require particular permissions for those individuals and those permissions importantly also sit in addition to any particular visas or work permits that an individual might need to be here so whilst the idea of sort of setting up an office from your second bedroom might seem straightforward and obviously appealing for some people, it does come with some requirements initially. Definitely. Rachel, how is the situation in Guernsey? So similar, there's also permissions required here. So in addition to any necessary work permits and visas, an employee will also need a certificate or an employment permit allowing them to reside in Guernsey. So unlike Jersey, the focus is more on residence rather than the right to work. Employment permits are applied for by the employer and they can be short term, medium term or long term. All right. So it's not that easy. Not that easy. (laughs) What governs the employment relationship? Like many jurisdictions, Michaela, there's a real mix that governs the employment relationship. You've got the contract of employment itself and any other documents that might exist that an employer might put in place. You've got the statutory employment legislation, the employment law, the discrimination law. And then there's also customary and common law that has developed over time, which also applies to the employment relationship. In Jersey specifically, the Employment Jersey Law 2003 is the main law governing issues relating to employment, and it applies to employees whose employment requires them to work wholly or mainly from within Jersey. So anyone whose contract says that they need to be here, that they should be working from here, they will usually get the statutory protections arising under that law. And that law gives a range of protections to individuals and, of course, obligations for employers. Just to give you some examples of those, An employer has to give an employee a written statement of employment terms. Individuals have rights to minimum rest periods, to minimum annual leave. There are requirements in relation to notice periods. So an employer must give certain periods of notice to an employee and the same in respect of the employee giving notice to the employer. Employees also have the right to request flexible working, the right to be paid at least the minimum wage and certain rights on redundancy. And one of the key rights arising under the employment legislation is protection from unfair dismissal. And Rachel, what is the situation in Guernsey? So in Guernsey, the Conditions of Employment Guernsey Law 1985 provides that not later than four weeks after an employee begins employment, the employer must provide the employee with a written statement of certain particulars of their employment. So that will, of course, cover the the parties and the start date of employment, but also things such as holiday, maternity, pension provisions, etc. The Employment Protection Guernsey Law 1998 covers minimum notice periods and also protection from unfair dismissal. Unlike in Jersey, though, we have no statutes in respect of rest periods, flexible working or redundancy. Okay, I see. Each of you has mentioned some minimum standards. What is the current minimum wage in Jersey, Carla? Thanks, Michaela. In Jersey, the current minimum wage is £8.32 per hour, and that applies to anyone who is above compulsory school leaving age, so anyone over the age of 16. The minimum wage is usually reviewed annually in Jersey. That's been the, the practice over recent years. But actually, the last review was done in April 2020. So it's, it's some time now since that minimum wage has increased. 
There are particular rates as well, which also apply to trainees. So anyone who is participating in an approved training program, they will attract a different rate. And individuals who might be provided with perhaps accommodation or food and accommodation as part of their employment, they will also be subject to a different rate. Oh, great. And Rachel, what is it in, in Guernsey? So in Guernsey, the minimum wage is currently £8.70 an hour, with alternative rates applying to young persons and those who receive accommodation or accommodation and food as part of their employment. Carla, you mentioned briefly the unfair dismissal protection employees have. Can we dive in a bit deeper and can you tell our listeners about the protection from unfair dismissal? Of course, Michaela. Unfair dismissal is one of those rights, isn't it, that I think is very common to a number of practitioners and completely alien to other practitioners, depending on the jurisdiction that you're practicing in. Employees in both Jersey and Guernsey have the right not to be unfairly dismissed. It's a fundamental right provided as part of our legislation. In Jersey, that right typically arises after an individual has achieved 52 weeks of continuous service, so one year of work. But there are exceptions to that qualifying period. So where an unfair dismissal might arise. There might be an automatically unfair dismissal, as it's known, where the dismissal might be shown to be perhaps discriminatory or because the dismissal relates to the exercise of parental rights. And in those circumstances, that qualifying period wouldn't apply. So where an employee alleges that there has been an unfair dismissal, it's for the employer to show that the reason for the dismissal falls into one of the five fair reasons that are set out in our employment statute. And those reasons are capability or qualifications, conduct, so the employee's conduct, redundancy, what's called breach of statutory duty, so a situation where continuing to employ the individual would put the employer in breach of some statutory duty that it owes, or some other substantial reason. And what the employer also then has to show is that it acted reasonably in treating that particular reason, the reason for that employee's dismissal, as a sufficient reason for dismissing that person. Awards are available where an employee is successful in their claim for unfair dismissal, and the amount of that award will depend on the individual's particular length of service. So there's a sliding scale, if you like, that operates depending on how long you've worked for that employer. But the maximum award is 26 weeks pay. And that award can be reduced by the tribunal in certain circumstances. If a termination is by reason of redundancy, so if one of the fair reasons the employer is putting forward is redundancy, then an employee will also have a right to a statutory redundancy payment if they've got two years of service. Such payment is calculated on the basis of one week's pay for each year of service. Now, there's no limit on the number of years service. There is a current cap, however, on the amount of a week's pay, which is £780. So if you've got 10 years service, you'll get 10 weeks pay at £780 or a reduced amount if you earn lower than that. If you've got 30 years service, you'll get 30 weeks pay at that same rate of pay. And um, so it can be quite a costly additional payment. And right. also on a redundancy an employer might have certain collective consultation obligations um, to adhere to, depending on the number of redundancies that it's looking to make. The system seems to be quite similar to the one we have in Germany. Just out of curiosity, what would you say, which of the five fair reasons you mentioned is the easiest one from an employer's perspective? Well, I think that's a really challenging question. 
I think employers naively sometimes like the idea of some other substantial reason. I think they view it as being a sort of general catch-all, if you like, um, but actually <laughs> some other substantial reason, um, of course, and those people who practice with this particular right will know it, it's actually incredibly tricky and it doesn't cover all the things that you might like it to. I think, again, anything like capability or conduct are often really easy ones to point towards. But of course, what they require the employer to do is actually some groundwork in advance of that dismissal and yeah. making sure they follow a fair process. And as many of us know, sometimes employers don't want to invest the time in that or find that actually the investment of management time in dealing with it doesn't really match the potential liability that might arise. And often it might be easier just to, to take the hard liability rather than to deal with the actual issue. Yeah. Rachel, are there any differences in Guernsey? So in Guernsey, Michaela, the unfair dismissal law is on very similar terms as the Jersey law. One major difference, though, is that our maximum award is a flat amount of six months pay. So we don't have the sliding scale depending on your length of service. It's just six months pay, although it can be reduced in certain circumstances. For example, if an employee has contributed towards their own dismissal. There are also protections for employees who do not wish to work on Sundays, which is a sort of slight peculiarity for, for Guernsey. But Guernsey does not provide any entitlement to statutory redundancy payments. Okay, that's interesting. How about tribunals? Could you tell me a bit about this? The position in Jersey is that the employment law established the Jersey Employment and Discrimination Tribunal, and that tribunal has the jurisdiction to hear matters arising out of the employment relationship. So those might be matters arising under the employment law, under the discrimination law, and the Employment Relations Law, which is a piece of legislation enabling the recognition of trade unions. And the tribunal also has the power to hear other employment-related claims that don't necessarily arise under statute. So, for example, contractual claims can be brought before the tribunal. But there are some limits around that jurisdiction. Certain types of contractual claims are preserved for the alternative courts. And also the tribunal's power to make awards in relation to contractual claims is also limited to £10,000. So if an individual has got, let's say, a particularly lengthy notice period, then they might not want to bring their claim before the tribunal because the tribunal can only enforce a contractual obligation up to £10,000. The tribunal makeup is quite different between Jersey and Guernsey. So in Jersey, we have a legally qualified chair who sits on our tribunal and they might sit alone or they might sit with two wing members, two lay members alongside of them. Now, neither party in any proceedings before the tribunal needs to be represented. Parties can represent themselves in the tribunal and often will do. There's no cost to bringing any claims before the tribunal. So on presentation of a claim, whether that be a discrimination claim or an unfair dismissal claim, the individual claimant doesn't have to make any payments. And there are also no costs awarded in our tribunal system. If an individual is unhappy with the outcome of a tribunal's decision, they do have the right to appeal. But that appeal must be on a point of law and the appeal would be made to the Royal Court of Jersey, which, as I say, is our sort of alternative court and, and the higher court to the tribunal as well. The tribunal has been in existence now for over 15 years and it has heard a huge number of cases in that time for a small jurisdiction. There's only 100,000 people living in Jersey. It's actually a particularly busy tribunal and it's, of course, developed its own case law over time. 
the tribunal isn't bound to follow the decisions of the UK tribunal or the tribunals of any other jurisdictions. As I said at the outset to today's podcast, Jersey's legal system is, is very much its own, but it will often look to UK decisions for guidance. Again, because we are a small jurisdiction, we're not dealing with all different types of cases all of the time. So it will often look to those other tribunals for guidance in reaching its decisions. From a Guernsey perspective, Rachel, is there anything to add? So in Guernsey, employees can bring claims to enforce their statutory employment rights in the Guernsey Employment and Discrimination Tribunal. Now, unlike Jersey, this is comprised of a lay chairperson and two independent lay persons. It is, however, proposed that in future the chairperson will be legally qualified. That's really to tie in with the new discrimination laws, which I'm going to come on to talk about. There is a right of appeal to the Guernsey Royal Court on a point of law. Another difference with Jersey is that all contractual claims in Guernsey must be brought in the Royal Court, so you can't bring any form of notice claims in our tribunal. A similarity, though, with Jersey is that the Guernsey courts and tribunals are not bound to follow the decisions of the UK tribunal, although they will look to them for guidance. Coming back to the idea to give our listeners an overview of the legislation um, in both islands, What family-friendly laws are in place, Carla? What is it in Jersey? Jersey's family-friendly regime has changed quite significantly in recent years and is now regarded as extremely progressive, in fact. The regime now requires employers to provide employees with up to 52 weeks of parental leave, six of which must be paid to all parents. So I want to stress that unlike the position in the UK, for example, where there might be an entitlement to shared parental leave, this is separate entitlements for both parents. So if you take the situation of a biological mother, biological father, each of those individuals are entitled to 52 weeks of leave. So it's pretty progressive generally, but also for a small jurisdiction. So as I say, mothers and fathers are both entitled to the same amount of leave. That also applies in relation to partners, individuals who are adopting and intended parents through a surrogacy arrangement. The leave doesn't all have to be taken in one period either. So the leave can be broken up into three blocks, if you like, of leave that can be taken over a two-year period. And provided each of those blocks is at least two weeks, the employee is completely free to choose when they want to take those particular blocks of leave. So as I say, three blocks to be taken over a two-year period. Whilst the pay element of the statutory position is relatively limited, as I said at the outset, six weeks paid leave, it is common for employers in the island to offer enhanced terms in relation to pay. And Rachel, would you say that in Guernsey the situation is similar? Actually very different, Michaela, and much less progressive. So we have the Maternity Leave and Adoption Leave Guernsey Ordinance of 2016, and that provides a period of 12 weeks basic leave, which includes a period of two weeks compulsory leave, and then an enhanced period of 26 weeks leave for employees who have worked continuously for the same employer for at least 15 months. So in general, the maximum maternity leave somebody can have is 26 weeks. There is the right to return to their original role or a suitable alternative role. And in addition, the partner of an employee who is entitled to basic leave has a right to take two weeks support leave subject to certain conditions. So there, you know, if you do the same scenario as Carla chose with a biological mother, biological father, the mother can have a maximum of 26 weeks and the father only two. 
Both types of leave are unpaid, although as in Jersey, it is common for employers to provide enhanced pay under policies. Amazing. I think most of our listeners are quite surprised that the systems are different, even as the islands are so close. So let's switch to discrimination law. What discrimination laws are in place? It took us a long time to get there, is the truth, Michaela. Jersey didn't introduce its discrimination legislation until 2014. And in my view, that was, as I say, a long time coming. The legislation currently prohibits discrimination in employment and other areas in relation to race, sex, sexual orientation, gender reassignment, pregnancy and maternity, age and disability. And employers cannot subject people to direct or indirect discrimination, victimization or harassment. And in respect to disability, employers also have an obligation to make reasonable adjustments. The maximum award for any allegation of discrimination is currently £10,000. So some people will argue that it's fairly limited, but it's worth mentioning that that applies to each head of claim, if you like. So if an individual has a direct sex discrimination claim and an indirect race discrimination claim, let's say, as part of the same proceedings, then that amount would increase to £20,000 because it applies per head of claim. Okay. And Rachel, what is it like in, in Guernsey? Is it similar or, again, different? So, again, very different, but on the path to um, becoming more similar. So, at the moment, current anti-discrimination legislation in Guernsey, um, we've got the Sex Discrimination Employment Guernsey Ordinance of 2005. So, interesting, actually, we were um, ahead of the game originally compared to Jersey, but now we have fallen somewhat behind because that law only provides protection on grounds of sex, marital status, gender reassignment, maternity or adoption leave, and the maximum award there is three months pay. However, there is a plan that it will be extended to cover race, carer status, disability, sexual orientation, religious belief and age. The current sex discrimination law will also be modernised and extended to cover the right to equal pay. So the new anti-discrimination legislation will be comprised of a single legal framework and it will be implemented in two phases. Phase one is going to cover race, carer status, disability, sexual orientation and religious belief. And phase two is going to cover age and equal pay. The policy proposals have been approved by the states of Guernsey, but legislation is now required to bring those new rights into effect. The current plan is that phase one of the legislation is expected to come into effect in 2022 and phase two in 2024. How about tupees, which are quite common right now, where after the COVID pandemic, a lot of companies need to restructure their organizations. Does either jurisdiction have similar protection rights for the employees? Tupee is always a really interesting question. The short answer is that neither jurisdiction has any tupee legislation and there's no similar protection. And we always, when we're talking to clients about this, I suppose, have a little bit of a giggle, if you like, because I know many people who deal with cheapy transfers find them frustrating to deal with from time to time. But in a jurisdiction where you don't have that legislation, it's equally frustrating because you have to find some other mechanism by which to get the employees from one entity to another entity. And the way that has developed in our jurisdiction is to effectively create a novation of the employment contract from one employer to another. And what will usually happen is all the parties will enter into an ovation agreement and the new employer will recognize continuity of service. 
it's a bit of a fudge, if you like. It's a bit of a sort of something that employment lawyers in the jurisdiction have cooked up over time in the hope that it will work. It has now been recognised by the tribunal in Jersey. But as I say, it's not as straightforward. It's not as certain as perhaps the cheapy regime might otherwise be. Right. And how is it in Guernsey? Yes, exactly the same position in Guernsey. No, no cheapy legislation, but we do rely on novation. All right. So let's switch to the question which new legislation is in the pipeline. Speaking for Germany, I can just say that in Germany, a bunch of new laws and regulations are in the pipeline. Is it the same in Jersey? Things are relatively quiet in Jersey at the moment. The position in relation to our parental leave changed significantly last year. So I think we're having a little bit of breathing space, if you like. But that said, the Employment Forum, which is a non-political statutory body that is established as part of our employment legislation and on which I sit, in fact, recently made some recommendations to increase minimum statutory holiday entitlement. So at the moment, the minimum holiday entitlement is to two weeks paid leave. And the proposal is to increase that to three weeks paid leave. And there is also a proposal to introduce daily rest breaks. At the moment, the legislation doesn't provide for anything in relation to rest periods on a daily basis. So changes are expected on that front towards the end of this year. Okay, interesting. And in Guernsey, any new legislation in the pipeline, Rachel? So obviously our big news is the proposed discrimination laws, which I've already mentioned, but also another one to, to note is in respect of whistleblowing. We have the Financial Services Business Enforcement Powers Bailiwick of Guernsey Law 2020. That's been passed and it gives the states power to make ordinances to introduce whistleblowing laws. So if a law is introduced where an individual raises a concern about another individual or organisation involved in workplace malpractice, they would have statutory protection against retaliatory action by the employer. It's not currently known when the new law will take effect. It's just worth noting that neither jurisdiction currently has any statutory whistleblowing protection. Thank you very much, ladies. This has been a very interesting discussion. Thanks so much for your time, Rachel and Carla. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Michaela. It's been great to talk to you. If you'd like to connect with Rachel or Carla, please click on their bios in the description of this podcast. Also visit the ELA website at ela.law, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content, or access the ELA's Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters Europe, podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Michaela Felisiak and thanks for listening.